and welcome to the Goats Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, David Marchand. I'm Juwan Clark. And Zach Mitchell. All right. It's our third ever episode. Welcome back again, Zach. Pleasure to be here, DM. All right. Here in our third episode, we're going to finish up our draft talk on the NFL draft. But uh, before we get into that, a couple news and notes. First and foremost, uh, it is official. It's locked down. We can stop the arguing. The draft will be on June 1st. We do want somebody to host it still. Um, if nobody says anything, we're just going to take over Brian's house. So, Brian, if you're listening, if you don't want to do this, you better find someone else. So, <laughs> otherwise, it's your place. All right, cool. Um, a few trades. We actually have three trades to talk about this week. The very first one involves Phil and Justin Medina. Uh, Phil sending uh, Kamara right back home, back to JMed, in exchange for Joe Mixon, the 1.4, and the 4.12. Uh, personally... I actually, I, I really like Phil's side of this. I mean, obviously, Kamara's a stud. He's a top three. But I really like Joe Mixon, too. I mean, obviously, there's the injury risk, but you can't really... Everybody has an injury risk when it's all said and done. And adding in the 1.4, which, of course, goes away later, but for now, we'll keep it there. And the 4.12 is just good value on top. What was the actual point of... Weren't these players and these two and Medina and Philip involved in a trade? Last week that we talked about. Yep, huge case of trade regret. Oh, who had? Wait, what's the, what's this? What's the narrative here? Who had the trade regret? Yeah, JMed actually sent Kamara to Phil, and then it went back to JMed. But Phil got his 104 back. Oh, so all of last week's analysis is just completely moot. No, there because, are other players on um, that. But still, just looking at this week alone, let's forget that trade as best we can. Um, oh, I still like Phil's side. It's pretty even to me. I mean, with the 1.4, I mean, assuming he still kept it, we'll talk about that later. But 1.4, you're looking at, you know, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. Not a bad pickup at the 1.4 at all. Worst case, Nikhil Harry. That's solid value to add to Joe Mixon, who's a bell cow in Cincinnati, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, it's, it's about proven versus opportunity here, right? Uh, Joe Mixon, young, new head coach and Zach Taylor. Who knows uh, how he's going to use him. He's going to use him like Todd Gurley. Did he learn his lesson with Todd Gurley getting injured? And he's going to rotate him through the 1.4 if he had kept it. Uh, you know, rookies are always a projection, even though you may be bullish on them. Kamara, at least, is a proven commodity. Maybe I, I think I'd side with Kamara on this one. Yeah, it's a, pretty good, no, it's a pretty good trade. I've got no insight. All right. Well, the second trade involves you two gentlemen. So, Zach, you moved up two spots from the 1.5 to the 1.3 and got the 4.8 in exchange for Mark Andrews and the 1.5. Jubong, tell us why you love Mark Andrews so much. Yeah, Mark Andrews came in last year, uh, looked like a solid prospect, had a pretty good season for a rookie tight end. Uh, I need some depth behind Evan Ingram. He gets injured often. Uh, who knows if the projections sans Odell Beckham actually come true. So it's nice to just have a little security blanket. In my opinion, the fourth rounder I sent is kind of a throwaway pick anyways. I'm probably not going to be starting that guy anytime. So I think it was a pretty lateral move. And Zach, giving up your own Baltimore boy to get two spots? What are you thinking? A lot of tight ends in Baltimore. I don't know how much. I do like Andrews a lot. I don't know how much week-to-week value he has as a starting tight end just yet. And I really wanted a third pick. So wasn't too tough for me. There you go. Uh, the last trade, this one's hot off the press uh, and really invalidates some of what we talked about in the first trade. But hey, <laughs> let's go forward anyways. So Nixon and Calvin Ridley, Curtis Samuel, and a 2023rd. Back in for that 104 that Phil got back from J-Med. Um, I like, I love Calvin Ridley. 
I think he's a great number two behind Julio, and given that Julio can't always find the touchdown or the end zone, Calvin Ridley tends to be the one who does when he doesn't. So it's a great grab. Samuel's a great uh, wide receiver, too, in Carolina. Giving up the 104, you don't know what you're going to get there. I mean, obviously, probably David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, which is a great running back, but two really high upside wide receivers is a pretty good grab. Calvin Ridley, I think he was one of three wide receivers that got 10 touchdowns last year, so obviously high upside. If you factor this, what he got in for the 104 in the first trade, Joe Mixon plus Calvin Ridley plus Curtis Samuel plus the 2023rd for Kamara, Phil obviously ends up in top now. I think we could, the 2023rd doesn't count, but yeah, still. <laughs> and that being said, also, Nick, I know he really wants a good running back, although it seems like he might be aiming for your Paris Campbell love, but you know, I really think he can use that 104 to get really sure up that running back part of his team, and it's a good pickup for him. And you got to figure if Calvin Ridley is in this draft that we have coming up on June 1st, Ridley's like maybe the first wide receiver off the board. So that does make me think that, you know, I mean, it's a pretty fair trade all around. Nick has enough depth to be able to give up those pieces. And Phillip definitely gains a lot with all of this movement going around here. A lot of assets. Yeah, lately Phil's been uh, big on the trading block here. Good to see. All right, so uh, outside of trades, there's actually been a waiver wire pickup, and I'm just bringing this up because <laughs> you two gentlemen are the only ones in our league to have ever spent fab. It works. And <laughs> you were the only, and they, you both spent them on New England tight ends. Jubong, you grabbed uh, Jenkins. Zach, you grabbed Ben Watson last night. And as much as I am looking forward to my 42-year-old quarterback throwing touchdowns to my 38-year-old tight ends, I wasn't willing to put a $5 bid down. But my question is, which one of you got better value for your New England tight ends? Neither, neither of us. They are <laughs> they are both probably not going to play much. Safarian Jenkins is probably better than Watson. We have $200 to spend, and I spent five. So it's not that big of a deal. There's not going to be any good free agents here anyway. Exactly my thoughts. And it, I wanted to confirm that it worked. So we're all good. We're all good. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think, who am I going to pick up, you know, later on in the season with my $200? I'll spend five to seven bucks on somebody who might be something now. Fair point. Fair point. All right. So uh, it's use it or lose it. So there's probably going to be $100 fab purchases on week 16 yeah. for God knows who. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Let's go back to our draft recap. We're going to do the AFC this time. Just like last time, we're going to go division to division, west to east, from the worst team up to the best team. Starting in the AFC West, we, of course, lead off with the Oakland Raiders, who were a dumpster fire last year, but uh, made a lot of moves in this in this last offseason. Uh, they picked up uh, Josh Jacobs, number 24 overall, highly projected to be the number one draft pick overall. Uh, they also grabbed tight end Foster Moreau in the fourth round and Hunter Renfro in the fifth. This is a team that got nine picks overall, four in the first two rounds, seven in the first four, and they got Antonio Brown in the offseason. So how is the Raiders' 2019 outlook going? How is it looking for these rookies? How does it look for Derek Carr? Yeah, 2019, I'm not so sure. I mean, Carr still has to get a rapport with his new weapons, A.B. and Tyrell Williams, uh, not to mention Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was a talent that I didn't necessarily love in the pre-draft process. I know a lot of people had him. As their number one running back, I think it was more of a projection than something you actually saw on tape. With that said, I'm with landing spot. He's the one one to me. Jacobs is the easy one one in this draft. I still don't know if I love him. We've seen so many other Alabama running backs come onto the scene. Yeah. Obviously Richardson. So, and they all seem to display some skill level early on, and at least in the combine phases that make us think these are going to be really good backs. 
not and he didn't even start in college. He's Jacobs is still the easy one one. I don't know what the situation is like. David Carr as or whatever Carr Oakland. this brother this is in, in Oakland. This is going to be a seven and nine, eight and eight team probably jumping on Farrell early doesn't do them well. Fantasy relevance. I like Hunter Renfro. That could be a steal. Small hands, but great work ethic could profile really early into their offense. Obviously, Jacobs is a day one starter. Yeah, Renfro has a lot of potential to catch a lot of balls in that offense. Yeah, outside of that, if you're looking at undrafted guys, Keelan Doss, UC Davis, I think might have been the best wide receiver in like Division 1A, whatever division they're in. He would be someone possibly to look at on the undrafted waivers. Foster Moreau is a part of this new huge phenomenon of drafting blocking tight ends, <laughs> a la Drew Sample in the second round. Cincinnati will get to you later, but a good draft overall for Oakland at least in terms of fantasy. Let's talk about another team trying to turn things around over in Denver. Uh, they grabbed the combine monster, Noah Fant, at number 20, our tight end there, and then uh, grabbed possibly their next quarterback and Drew Locke in the second round. Add on a late pick for Jawan Winfrey in the sixth. Uh, interesting draft overall. So the real question is, when does Locke take over for Flacco? Does Flacco start the season? When does Locke start? When do you think that quarterback becomes relevant? I'm putting the over-under at game four, Zach. Oh, I don't know. I think Drew Locke is really bad. I don't think that Drew Locke is going to be a very good quarterback. But when and does he start? I, I don't. I don't think it. I don't. I really don't think it would happen that soon. They drafted Paxton Lynch early, and they kind of let him sit. Yeah, I don't like Drew Locke. I wouldn't take him on my fantasy team. Noah Fant is a really interesting prospect, though. That's somebody I don't know what to think about. Flacco loves his tight ends, but he's not a real tight end where he's going to maybe find that soft spot in the zone. He's almost a stretch the field tight end, which is really interesting for fantasy perspective. But does that play into the nature of dump off Joe Flacco, hit my tight end, hit my running backs out of the backfield? I'm not sure. Yeah, I was doing some research. Uh, first round tight ends have an interesting track record. I mean, they're all ended up in the end being pretty good. Uh, you look at O.J. Howard, you look at Eric Ebron, who came on late last year, you look at Evan Ingram, who had the best tight end rookie season in recent memory, and Noah Fant most similarly projects to be like a Evan Ingram. When you compare that to a T.J. Hawk, who's more like an O.J. Howard, more of a complete tight end, but you saw how long it took O.J. Howard to eventually develop into who he is today. Yeah, I don't even know if there's really much of a comparison for Hawkinson. That's really why he was taken so highly. But the thing, what's going to happen in our draft is somebody's going to have, maybe Kyle, when he picks his homer Broncos, whether he's either seventh or eighth pick, maybe, he's going to have a decision. Am I taking Fant seven or eight overall, maybe even over Hawkinson? And it might be over other wide receivers like A.J. Brown. Hollywood Brown could still be there. Yeah, I think in this draft, Fant gives a nice floor. He, it gives him more of a sure thing, I think, to me, than any other prospects in that range. Uh, so do you want the safety of that tight end, or do you want to try to hit a home run? Yeah, I do feel confident will have a nice long NFL career. I just don't know if it has 10 touchdowns in any single season mm. early on with either of the quarterbacks on their roster right now. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about a playoff team here. Uh, next up is the L.A. Chargers. I want to say San Diego. I will always want to say San Diego, <laughs> but they are the L.A. Chargers. Uh, most of their picks actually went on defense. They did grab a quarterback in the fifth round, but I don't think they're looking to replace Rivers with this guy. Um, given how good their offense was and how badly the Patriots destroyed them in the postseason, I think it makes <laughs> sense what they did. So what what about Mike Williams and Hunter Henry? Obviously, there's not many rookies to talk about here, but do those, those guys that you think turn around, maybe even Eckler and Jackson, what are their outlook for the 2019 season? Let's take a couple seconds to talk about some bets. 
Yeah, even if they had drafted a wide receiver, I don't think Mike Williams' value was in much jeopardy. I mean, he's a solid wide receiver. They drafted him in the first round two or three years ago. Uh, same with Hunter Henry. Even if they drafted a tight end, I can't see him hurting value. They need to see what they have in him and if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and in fact, I think if anything, maybe I would have wanted them to add a wide receiver after having lost Williams. This is a lot of focus now on an used-to-be-oft-injured Keenan Allen, a new offensive fancy Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry, who just came off of injury. Not a lot of depth there, so there's, not, there's only a few guys for DBs to really focus on. I think it was a good draft for all of their existing players just because they didn't draft anybody fantasy-relevant. But yeah, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry... Keenan Allen, those are all still really good fantasy-relevant players, I reckon. They're studs. Let's uh, let's talk about the new bell of the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. This one's interesting. Right? Uh, so, obviously, no first-rounder, because uh, that got him Frank Clark, which I think we all understand. But they did grab Miko Hardman, uh, Tyreek 2.0, maybe, maybe not, probably not. Fast, but not quite as good. Anyway, um, and also grabbed Darwin Tomlinson in the uh, six. So, let's start off. What does this mean for Tyreek? Obviously, if he doesn't play, it means things are really bad, but... How much of a threat is Hardman for Tyreek, if any at all? Believe it or not, Hardman comes in bearing a lot of similarities to Tyreek Hill, both on the field and off, I believe. Uh, Both of these guys were athletes when they were recruited out of high school without a real position, neither running backs nor wide receivers, just some sort of split and return guy athlete. Hill didn't exactly have phenomenal numbers, even when he went and took the Juco route in college. Hardman only had if even 40 catches last year at Georgia. Hardman at 35. It's a it's going to be a really interesting situation. They have got a ton of rookie wide receivers in camp. It's not just Hardman. They brought in Felton Davis, Michigan State, a slot receiver from Toledo, as well as oh, a receiver from Syracuse. And these were all players that thought maybe could be drafted in the late rounds. And there's really only two returning legitimate wide receivers in Kansas City. So there are going to be a lot of rookie wideouts getting good opportunities in Kansas City. I actually, I just don't know if it's going to be Miko. I don't know how they're going to put the ball in his hands. And it might not be in the most fantasy relevant ways if he's just running reverses and returns. Darwin Thompson, you see this guy going all over the place, probably on mock draft boards. They also brought in a lot of running backs for this um offseason. It could be Darwin Thompson, could be the kid out of Washington State that's going to catch passes for him, James Williams. A lot of fantasy relevance going on in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Michael Hardman to Tyreek Hill comparisons are a little overblown. I mean, they're both fast, shifty wide receivers, but I mean, even Tyreek Hill took about two years to develop into who he became. Yeah, exactly. He had to, he had to get go to Kansas City and develop it. So they have experience with doing this with someone like this before. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Hardman could even be the wide receiver one on his own team. That went to Riley Ridley, the slow but good route runner in Georgia. I don't know how much I'm excited for him. What does Darwin Thompson mean for Damian Williams asking for a friend? <laughs> Darwin Thompson's interesting. He, I mean, he was picked in the sixth round, so it's hard to say that they loved him. You know, they would have taken him earlier if they did. But opportunity's king in fantasy, right? He just needs to show up in training camp, and he could take that job. You never know. I mean, I'm not that big on Damian Williams. I was never a huge Damian Williams fan. I'm not that big of a Carlos Hyde fan. The opportunity certainly is there. Don't overvalue draft capital, especially for running backs where they get taken in the NFL draft. It's pretty common. These NFL teams will find someone that they do like and say, this guy's not going to fall until the later rounds. I'm going to take him when I think I can, maybe whether it be in the sixth round. And there's just so many running backs out there 
in this draft, you're going to be bound to find one or two of the guys that you do like in the sixth round, like Rodney Anderson or Travion Williams in the fifth round. I think that's true for a year-to-year basis. You can start a sixth rounder and he could be fantasy relevant. But if you look at all the top running backs in fantasy football, they're all first and second round picks. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So next we're going down to the AFC South, uh, starting off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who got their quarterback of the future with Nick Foles. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The good news for them is Josh Allen managed to drop to them at number seven because the Giants are terrible. Uh, But they did grab a tight end in the third round in Josh Oliver and two late picks with uh, Raquel Armstrong and Gardner Minshew in the sixth. Yeah, I can jump on this one. This is a pretty bad draft, to be (laughs) honest with you, at least in terms of the fantasy players that they chose very early for just a project kind of tight end. San Jose State was really bad at football these past couple of years. He's really just an athletic big guy. Yeah. that they think can catch some passes really early to take that in the third round. Raquel Armstead, that's a running back that I like, but he's more Fournette insurance. He does not complement Fournette. They really needed a pass-catching home run threat running back out of the backfield to team up with Fournette, and there were dozens of them that they decided not to take. Instead, they just took a worse version of Fournette. But considering how much Coughlin hates Fournette, are you interested in Armstead at all? Not to mention the injury risk. Sure. And the late second round, early third round, maybe for us, just because I I would feel confident that if Fournette went down, that might be the back that now carries the ball 25 times a game. So that could be a really good move for a couple of weeks. But long term, I don't know if I see it there for Armstead, at least in Jacksonville. Yeah. Josh Oliver, you're not starting him this year. You're probably not starting him next year. Maybe by year three he shows something, but I, I'm i not going to take him early if I have to wait two years to play him. And just to prove to us that Jacksonville didn't know what they were doing, they took Gardner Minshew in the sixth <laughs> round, who is a six-foot quarterback that played for Shotgun Sling and Mike Leach at Washington State. Have we ever seen one of those quarterbacks? Really make it. Let's head over to where fantasy dreams go to die. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> who grabbed A.J. Brown in the second round. Pretty much the only fantasy-relevant pick here. Before the draft, A.J. Brown was talked as being maybe one of the top receivers. Now he is plummeting down. I mean, still a first-round pick, most likely. But with Corey Davis, with Mariota, I'm not sure what this means for him. Yeah, A.J. Brown was comped by a lot of people to Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe not as fast, but a big slot guy. Uh, but I loved Corey Davis when he was coming out. And if Mariota can kill his value, I, I'm not bullish on A.J. Brown at all. I don't like A.J. Brown in Tennessee, but I love A.J. Brown, the wide receiver. I will bang my fist on the table that A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver in this year's wow. draft class. He has all the tools. He's done it for a long time at against very high competition against the defensive backs when he was at Ole Miss. Yeah. He's healthy. He stays out on the field. He's mean. He's fast. He's he played big. outside a little, too. But yeah, he can run all. He runs all over the field. He can run by guys, through guys, over top of guys. I think he has, in terms of where the floors are going to be for any of the rookie wide receivers, the the highest floor. Mm. Can almost guarantee this is an eight or ten year career. I think for this guy. But then he just goes to Tennessee. Oh shit! Uh, how am I? What am I going to do with him in Tennessee? It's a safe pick, I think, maybe if you're somewhere in the middle of the first round because you are drafting a guy. Maybe not like DK or me, Cole, where I'm actually afraid there could be some bust factor. I don't think there's any bust factor in A.J. Brown, which is going to be on a slow offense. Yeah, how much longer is Mariota really going to start there? That's, uh, you know, something to think about. That would be the best thing that could, could happen to A.J. Brown. And other Titan news, I would have loved, if they would have taken a running back 
in the sixth round, I would probably have this guy projected highly just because I don't like the Henry Dion Lewis combination. Mm. I think that's an offense and a really good offensive line that's just waiting for a dynamic running back to take over as opposed to waiting on the eight weeks Derrick Henry blows up and then hoping Deion Lewis can catch a couple passes out of the backfield. But they took Alex Barnes, real projecty guy out of K-State, undrafted. But he's somebody who I bet's drafted in our draft. Combine warrior. I mean... Yeah. Slow, though. Yeah. Okay, well... Let's talk about a team that really needed a wide receiver and got a wide receiver in the second round in Paris Campbell, the Indianapolis Colts. They actually had 10 overall picks, but not any until the second round, and spent most of those on defense. Four linebackers, three secondary, and nothing else really on the offense. So how do we love Paris Campbell, and how much does this mean, this new defense mean for scoring opportunities? Yeah, it's well known I like Paris Campbell. I didn't love him pre-draft, honestly. Uh, He ran 4-3-1, but I don't think it showed up that much. On film, you look at Michael Hardman. He is running away from people in Georgia. Paris Campbell, he's more gadgety. He, he more is based on agility than long speed, in my opinion. Ran very short routes in college. Only had two passes, I think, over 20 yards uh, his entire career. He's a projection. Can he eventually take over T.Y. Hilton? Uh, he's getting 20. He's going to be 30 this season. He's often injured. Obviously, great situation with Andrew Luck. That's why he's interesting to me. But I don't know if he's Percy Harvin or if he's Tyreek Hill. Yeah, unfortunately, I got to watch a lot of Paris Campbell at Ohio State. Obviously draws a lot of really similar comparisons to his predecessor, Curtis Samuel, who really played the same position at Ohio State. Samuel could do a lot more out of the backfield. Uh, Campbell a bit better of a route runner. But Campbell had a very specified role in the Ohio State offense. And it wasn't really until he was given that role. Also, watch a little more Ohio State film. Paris Campbell is one of the fastest human beings I've ever seen in my life. And he, 4-3-1, I mean, all of those Ohio State wide receivers were crazy fast. But you're right, he, but he didn't really run down the field by guys. I think only maybe 10 of his career passes were caught more than like 12, 20 yards down the field. Everything is just on the short, gimmicky, across-the-middle zone routes yeah move him across the line yeah he was a yak monster and then he and then he absolutely takes off i love chris ballard in indianapolis their gm so he knows how to pick up talent and use talent i go back and forth on Paris. i cannot make up my mind on paris campbell if it's a hit it's because they know how to use his unique skill set he doesn't need to be ty hilton but he needs to be able to open up a new floor right, or a new level on their offense. And he provides a new passing threat for them where Hilton can go down the field. Yeah, another plus for Paris. His head coach is Frank Reich, who studied under Andy Reid. Andy Reid obviously knew how to use these kinds of specialized people in Tyreek Hill. Uh, Maybe Frank Reich can learn something from that. Let's wrap up the South in Houston. Only grabbing a tight end in the third round. Uh, But they did grab two linemen in the first two rounds, finally trying to protect Watson some. What's that mean for them? And maybe a little outlook for Miller and Foreman with this new line. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was good for everyone who's fantasy relevant before. Watson, Cutie, all the running backs, Lamar Miller. Um, I'm not a huge Foreman fan, so I think this is great for Lamar Miller that they didn't feel the need to replace him, really. So I was going to say, nobody sees that final Deonta Foreman year breakout happening after the two years off the Achilles? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Deonta Foreman's Achilles has got him out. Houston, another team that decided to jump on a blocking tight end in the third round for some reason. Cahill Waring, never even heard of this guy in my life. <laughs> and drafted in the third round so he can block on the edge. Everybody else that's relevant 
that's a rookie on this roster, at least this offseason, was undrafted. They really could have used a running back. They signed Karan Higdon of Michigan lore. I really like him. I think he could actually compete for starting reps. Demaria Crockett is the other undrafted running back. was actually a five-star recruit. Went to Missouri. Got himself in trouble in uh, college, though, so it was a bit doghoused. And then they actually brought in a couple speedy wide receivers. Johnny Dixon from Ohio State. John Bay Johnson from Toledo. Both those guys are like 4 three forty guys. I don't know if there's anything to be had there. I would check out those two running backs, though. All right, one more question there. Does QT get ahead of Fuller this year, or is Fuller still the number two? Depends on if Fuller can stay healthy. Fuller's healthy, he's the number two. By a mile. Fuller is a complete wide receiver, especially if he's healthy. Kiki was has only had one rookie season, and he's kind of a gimmicky slot receiver, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a little taller. Uh, well, the hype train isn't stopping on QT anytime soon, so I wanted to bring him up. Let's head on over to the AFC North, starting with the dreadful Cincinnati Bengals, who were absolutely destroyed by injuries last year, uh, grabbing a tight end in the second round with Drew Sample, a brand new quarterback in the fourth round in Myron Finley. I don't think the Red Rifle has anything to worry about there, but I actually do actually really like their two late picks in Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson's two uh, running backs in the sixth round. They got 10 picks overall, but not a lot of fantasy relevance other than those two late picks, at least in my opinion. Yeah, Rodney Anderson's the more interesting pick here. If something was to happen to Joe Mixon, which often does happen on the field and off the field, Rodney Anderson is the one who's going to get slotted in, even though Trayvon Williams was drafted first. Trayvon Williams is more of a Geo replacement than he is a Mixon replacement. Yeah, Trayvon Williams actually puts Geo on notice. I don't see how they are both on this roster. And obviously, they're not going to get rid of Travion after just drafting him. Like you said, I like both of these running backs a lot here. Got to thank Cincinnati for turning this draft into trash. They had 13 picks, managed to only turn him into 10, and messed up just about half of them. This is the worst of the early tight ends who were drafted. Drew Sample Sample was taken in the second round, and you should be spited if you take him in our draft. I don't know if I had ever seen this guy catch a pass in college. (laughs) I was actually doing rookie rankings, and I saw him like, oh, it's it's tight end in the second. Then went, look at his combine stats, and went, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you don't know, Roddy Anderson played with Baker and Kyler Murray. Maybe the number one running back in this class if he could just stay healthy. Yeah, he's really big, so really fun to watch when he was on the field at Oklahoma. 6'1", 225 maybe. Undrafted guy, Stanley Morgan out of Nebraska. They're still looking for their third wide receiver. John Ross obviously fizzling out. Alex Erickson. So I think they're still trying to find their third uh, wide out. And Stanley Morgan was a guy a lot of people might have had fifth or sixth round grades on. Taking a break from those investment firms. Yep. (laughs) Talk about the new everyone's favorite in the AFC. The Cleveland Browns who went from terrible to Possibly Super Bowl contender if they can get this team together. Obviously, no first-round pick, but I guess OBJ will work. They really didn't grab anybody other than, like, a kicker and a tackle in the sixth. But this is probably the most fantasy-relevant team. I'm just going to ask real quick, who is going to win these targets in Cleveland? And who's going to lose? Yeah, I think everyone kind of takes a step back here except for OBJ, who goes from Eli Manning, new alarmed, end of his career, to Baker, the truth, Mayfield. Jarvis Landry's not going to catch as many passes. Njoku's not going to catch as many touchdowns. You got to downgrade those guys. I don't know if I'm all that concerned about Jarvis or Njoku just yet. Certainly might hurt Callaway and Rashard Higgins. Definitely hurts them. They're not going to see the field nearly as much. But frankly, bringing in somebody like Odell just opens up the field even more. 
yeah, maybe it does hurt your target count. But at the end of the day, I still think Jarvis and Njoko are putting up very high numbers. I will say, too, loved getting Greedy Williams in the bottom half of the second round, pairing him with Joe Hayden. I mean, that defense maybe makes me nervous about the offensive weapons in Cleveland because that defense can be good, too. Okay, let's go from a team that had maybe one of the best off seasons to one of the teams that had maybe one of the worst off seasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, the Antonio Brown saga was not fun for Brian. It was fun for me, but it was not fun for Brian. <laughs> they grabbed Deontay Johnson in the third, a wide receiver, and then uh, Benny Snell in the fourth, one of the slowest uh, running backs, I don't know, ever. And then a uh, late round pick, uh, Zach Gentry, tight end in the fifth. Who steps up for that wide receiver role with the loss of Brown? Is that Johnson or is James Washington finally going to step in this year? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Anybody who's high on Deontay Johnson is high on him because they believe in the Steelers' ability to develop young wide receivers. But if you're bullish on him, you have to be bullish on Washington, who they took in the second round last year versus the third round for Deontay Johnson. Benny Snell, I think he's interesting. More, even more than the Steelers' ability to develop young wide receivers. Man, you put a running back in that system, and they score fantasy points. You had, if they get on the field, only one ten two. Yeah, these are three really stashy kind of players. I don't know if I see immediate day one value. Deontay Johnson does fit in well with what Pittsburgh's going to be looking to do for both he and James Washington. I think they both see the field a lot this year. Benny Snell, Snell, yeah, I like him. He's slow. He's big. That's a fun running back to watch. He's very strong. I trust Pittsburgh. And Zach Gentry, who I think I talked about last week, like six foot eight, he's going to be their replacement for Jesse James. And there's really not a tight end situation in Pittsburgh. Gentry, one of those guys who could low key catch 30 passes, maybe 10 of them are touchdowns. No tight end. How about uh, Vance McDonald? Yeah, that's it. And Xavier Grimble. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Yeah. Deep dive two. Losing Mike Munchak, I think, really hurts the Steelers. I'm fading them. When he came in, he completely changed that line, went to Denver to be closer to his family. Uh, I'm fading the Steelers because of that. All right. Zach, your team is up. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They made some really big moves this year. They grabbed Marquee Hollywood Brown, number 25 overall, Miles Boykin in the third, and Justice Hill in the fourth. Added one late round quarterback in Trace McSorley. What does this do for Lamar Jackson? How does that open up his offense? Every, yeah, everyone does seem to agree that this is very good news for Lamar Jackson owners. So I would definitely feel very comfortable in this draft if I'm Nico or any Jackson owner out there. Out of these three players that they took pretty early, Brown, Boykin, and Justice Hill, these should all be gone within the top 25 of our rookie draft. Certainly within the top two rounds. I don't know exactly maybe where Boykin lands. I love Hollywood Brown. It does hurt him going to Baltimore because he's now going to be in a situation where he's not just a threat. He's a lot of decoy. Hey, let's push those safeties back. Let's uh, let our RPO game run well off of this. So a really good year for Hollywood Brown might be something like a really good year for Mark Andrews, where we're just talking 40 catches, five or 600 yards, and a half dozen touchdowns. That would be a very good Hollywood season. How much are we going to see balls go flying over his head, though? Oh, Jackson cannot throw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's going to be the problem. So he runs by the safeties very well, and you just got to hope that he's so far beyond the safety that there is a large margin of error. Boykin is strong. Boykin has a huge catch radius, a lot faster than uh, he played. And Justice Hill is an absolute home run threat. I probably shouldn't talk too much about him. He's trash. Don't draft Justice Hill. (laughs) Keep him off your roster. This is a classic better NFL move than fantasy move. Uh, Hollywood Brown was definitely in contention for my 1-1 wide receiver pre-draft. I love his game. He explodes off the line. Man, 
when he's out there, he just looks like a different animal. He, he looks like everyone else is running in slow motion. And if anything, he's the closest comparison I can almost see to Tyreek Hill just yeah. of how fast they are. And Tyreek Hill became a really tight route runner this past season. And Hollywood Brown is not just the Deshaun Jackson comparison seems no. really strange to me just because Deshaun Jackson didn't really have a huge route tree. Deshaun Jackson, I don't know, might actually be faster than Hollywood Brown is because he was one of the fastest human beings. But I really, I really do like Hollywood Brown's route tree. Like yeah. You're saying, yeah. Yeah. He could sink his hips, turn on a dime. I mean, this guy's a great NFL player. But like you guys said, I can't see him catching more than 60 passes. Oh God, yeah, no, 60 passes even would be great. <laughs> yeah, no, not even his rookie year. If he caught 60 passes in two or three years on this offense, and now, and there are targets in Baltimore now to throw to. I mean, there's we overspent on a blocking tight end. I guess we got in on that mix too. <laughs> We drafted a tight end first and third round last year, and two receivers here, a couple of returning guys. There's a lot of rotational guys who are going to go out there, and that could hurt your targets in Baltimore. Let's wrap things up in the AFC East. We'll move through the trash teams as quickly as we can, but, you know, we got to talk about them. Starting with the New York Jets, they grabbed Trayvon Wesco in the fourth round and a ton of defense um do we expect Wesco to have any effect on this offense whatsoever no no yeah and I had a lot more I had a lot more to say about Baltimore I was going to do a full review (laughs) of their OTAs but I guess we can just pass (laughs) I guess we'll just rush through that Trayvon Wesco is what is like a football like a real football player like a real West Virginia throwback he's a fullback tight end kind of Swiss army knife a much less good version of Jay Sternberger maybe a little stronger better blocker not very fantasy relevant but probably a guy that Jets will like in the locker room. Okay. So does year two of Sam Darnold and adding Lev Bell, does that offense level up at all? Or are they still trash? Yeah, but they need better wideouts. I still, Anunua, Anderson, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a cute little group. I They, they could have. There, there were better receiver talents out there. And considering the, I, I really like Sam Darnold, I would have liked to have tried to find him a possible wide receiver one. All right. Moving up to the Buffalo Bills, be because we have to. Uh, round three, they grabbed Devin Singletary and a late uh, t- uh, tight end and Tommy Sweeney in the seventh. That is a crazy crowded backfield. Who Who's going to win? That backfield is not very crowded when, I mean, McCoy's on his way out. Yep. I mean, Frank Gore, please. Holy cow. I mean, I appreciate <laughs> it, but do we really need to keep this going? TJ oh. Yeldon, I, I did like that signing, but they made that signing with the ability to cut him and save themselves almost everything. And is that it? Yeah. And Devin Singletary. Didn't somebody try to say on the Skype chat today that Ajayi went to Buffalo? Oh, yeah. They was were looking a, at it. Was that, a, was, that a fog? was that a foe? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so with that being said, I do like Singletary. He's a little midget, but... I really do like Singletary. He was one of those Tar- Tariq Cohen-y kind of backs. Real jukey, fast, five foot seven. Uh, played with Lane Kiffin down in FAU. I don't know. I like I like Singletary more, maybe more than the next guy. Well, I did not see Tariq Cohen when I watched Evans' tape. I did not like him pre-draft. Hate Buffalo Bill as a team. Don't care. I'm not going to touch him. Oh, you're right. I, I, I did, definitely didn't see it when he ran like a four, five, seven, forty. Huh. It was probably just in the the shiftiness and in the height. But he can't catch the ball like Cohen can. Cannot is what I was trying to say. Cannot catch the ball like Cohen can. <laughs> so let's t- head over to the team that is trying to tank like no other, the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, basically, two late picks is it. Chandler Cox and Miles Boy- uh, Gaskin. And Cox is even a fullback. He doesn't even count. But they did trade for Josh Rosen. They even managed to trade back from the 48 to the 62 with a trade with New Orleans and then send that over to Arizona. Arizona obviously messed up this deal, but... 
What does this look out for Joe, uh, Rosen? Does he start? Does Fitzmagic get a few games in first? What's going to happen this year in Miami? Yeah, I think Fitzmagic starts. I mean, for the Dolphins, it's like zero risk. They could cut Rosen or they trade him away when they draft Tua next year. It really doesn't matter to them. Why not take a shot? Wait, that doesn't make sense. If it's why not take a shot, then why would you put Fitzpatrick out there and not go with Rosen? Well, he wouldn't be ready. He has to learn the playbook. He's going to be ready. He's, gonna be, he's, it's, he's got it. Four more months. Of course, Rosen will be ready. <laughs> Rosen will be the starter. This is silly. Rosen will be the starter day one. That's not, I, I don't even know if Fitzpatrick will be on the team. They'll maybe even move on from him. <laughs> really nothing to talk about, though, for fantasy no. relevance here. They really needed a running back, so they decided to wait for the, until the seventh round. Miles Gaskin probably has more mileage on him than any other running back that we've seen a four-year starter at Washington, and he was a guy that they gave the ball to 25 times a game, like <laughs> all four years. He's someone to look out for, maybe getting early carries there. If you're looking for an undrafted steal there, Preston Williams came from Colorado State, had some uh, attitude problems, I guess, for lack of a better term, that caused him to fall. They're going to be a team that probably has some less-than-average players on the field. So there might be some less-than-average players putting up fantasy stats for Miami. Yeah. If anything, it's stock saved for all the Miami current players. Drake, Parker... Albert Wilson, even. Yeah, but why, why we, those stocks should not have been saved. Those were not <laughs> those were not stocks worth those were not stocks worth saving. I agree. Just in the current landscape, they didn't draft anybody to replace them. This is a team that's trying to lose a lot and get some good twenty twenty. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't a bad draft. I mean, there's a theory, and you know, if we're gonna talk about the NFL versus fantasy for a minute, right? There's a theory that if you are rebuilding, you rebuild from the inside out. Yeah. Rebuild your offensive line. Basically start at the line of scrimmage and then move. They drafted, right, a defensive tackle from Clemson in the first round, got Rosen, then uh, drafted another offensive line. Uh, they're, all their draft picks were just very boring line of scrimmage players. All right, let's wrap it up with the champs, the New England Patriots, who had an amazing draft, Boo. if I do say so myself. Uh, grabbing Nikhil Harry with the very last pick in the first round. Then uh, Damian Harris, the guy Josh Jacobs is behind. And then uh, possibly the quarterback in the future, Jared Stidham. We'll see. Pretty good developmental prospect. So first and foremost, the Patriots were in desperate need of a wide receiver. How re how ready will Nikhil Harry be when the season starts? Nikhil Harry is good. He's in New England, though. There's just so many moving pieces in New England that you don't know if he's going to catch on to or if they're just going to find some ex-lacrosse player to throw on the field <laughs> and catch 50 passes for them. I, I, Nikhil Harry is like the 1-2, one, 1-3 one, in most drafts right now. That's going to be an exciting pick. College highlights are really exciting to watch. Is he fantasy relevant week one? Or? Yeah, he's fantasy, yeah, 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 absolutely, At least especially on their current roster. There's just not enough bodies out there. Braxton Berrios? Yeah, I was a lot lower on Nikhil Harry, actually, pre-draft. He played against subpar competition. Yeah, dominated them, but didn't see the ability to separate. Didn't see the ability to make sharp cuts. I'm actually the opposite of you. I like the situation, though. If Bill Belichick says he trusts somebody, if Bill Belichick says he likes somebody, he's a smarter man than Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I like, I like the situation, too, just because I trust Belichick, obviously, more than myself. I don't – yeah, you get really caught up on separation. You would have hated Devontae Adams when he – came out of college and that's exactly yeah. who this guy that's exactly who i think actually to kill harry reminds me uh, probably a bit more athletic than uh Devontae adams i don't know if he has the ridiculous catch radius of Devontae adams yeah I but think, somewhere close to it yeah i think rogers makes Devontae adams i don't think Devontae adams is a world-class world beater yeah, on his own. yeah yeah 
Yeah, separation is the number one trait I look for in wide receiver. All right, so let's talk about Damian Harris. A very similar skill set to Sony Michelle, at least what Sony did last year, or more so than what he did in college. What's this mean for Sony? What's this mean for Rex Burkhead? Uh, I think we all know what James White's going to be doing, but what about those other three guys? How's that going to work out? Yeah, just like Daryl Henderson makes you worried about Gurley. I mean, Damian Harris has to make you worried about Sony Michelle. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I have Sonny Michelle, so I'll probably have to look into seeing what if Damian Harris is around for me. He'll probably still be there for me at pick 19. I don't really like Damian Harris that much, so. Most likely, they're just going to go to a committee. Oh, well, oh, it will most certainly be. It will most certainly be a committee. Yeah. But who on that committee gets the touchdowns? And Jared Sidham also, I don't don't think is very good. That's, no. an, that's another really weird one where it's like, well, these guys don't they, these guys know what they're doing better than I do. But I thought this guy sucks. Sucks, yeah. He's got to be better than Hoyer though, and that's really his job. Is he? No, I don't think so. Hoyer's pretty bad. Hoyer at least has... Yeah, at least Hoyer's been around the block yeah. and provides, like, backup quarterback, like, knowledge. All right, fair enough. So uh, that wraps up our AFC draft recap. I'm not sure when the next episode will be. I don't think we have anything planned till after the draft, but uh, keep an eye out. We'll see what happens. Uh, for the GOATS Fantasy Football Podcast, I'm David Marchand. I'm Jubong. Zach. And thank you all very much. Thank you.